Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Well, welcome back to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. I am your host. The Almighty Crit. And joining me, as always, is my fellow host, Sergio. I'm not, I don't always join you. Okay, I wasn't here right, last most, week. Most of the time. Most of the time. When dad's most, not here, most of the time, we have fun. Most of the time, I am here. Yes. <laughs> I am the co host. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But we do have a special guest with us today, don't we, Sergio? But more importantly than that, yeah, more I know. importantly than my tenuous participation in this podcast, <laughs> is our guest tonight. Oh. The OG himself, the returning reigning lure champion, Stuart. That's right, everybody. I had returned. He's come back returned. to, to uh, clean up this mess we've made over the past I several been, months. Uh, adventuring, and uh, I've returned to rest my weary head. But the the work is never done. It seems. Yeah, we we kind of um, kind of, I kind of did some things while you were gone. Found some spells. Mm. I, I conjured some stuff and. Uh, yeah, um, we're not bound to this tower anymore. I just want to let you know. We just like oh, to yeah. meet up oh. here. <laughs> I broke some third wall stuff, fourth wall stuff. What is it, Sergio? Like sixth wall? The sixth wall, I believe. The sixth yeah, wall, like, yeah. I'm not even in the, the tower sixth right wall. now. I'm, oh, I'm this is a home. Yeah, I'm at home. <laughs> we do we do what we want now. This is all a, this is all a facade. It's all a charade. Uh, what? What? Facade. Yeah, you, yeah, you might want to... Uh, might want to talk to Tom about that. I think he was keeping you uh, captive in the tower uh, well, and, and milking you Tom for and D and D knowledge. <laughs> reasons Tom and I don't talk. I don't, want to, oh. I don't want to say there's a rivalry or some sort of dis, you know, discrepancy between Tom and I, but there's a rib rival. <laughs> tower was brutal. So yeah, that wasn't kind. Just joking. I talked to Tom. We're still friends. Talk to Tom all the time. Wait, we're all friends with Tom. Okay. <laughs> So today we actually have a very special topic. Uh, Stuart is sounds like he's hyper fixated on right now, and he's loving. Uh, we're going to talk about monstrous sidekicks today. And Containers, I'm, hirelings, companions. Yep, all I, of it. I'm stoked for this because. I, okay, I have to start this off with a question: How many of you, when you've ran a D and D campaign, have you had a monster? or an NPC, or some sort of creature that your party has just attached themselves to, and this is theirs now. Like, nine times out of ten. 
So I, uh, one of my favorite adventures is uh, the Sunless Citadel, which you can get for 5e in um, uh, Yawning Portal. Yawning Portal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Tales of, the, Tales of the Yawning Portal. And in that adventure, one of the first uh, NPCs they come across is a little kobold called Beepo, who is really upset because some uh, some goblins have stolen his the dragon that like the, the wormling that he's meant to be looking after and he's like whimpering and quiet crying and he always becomes a part of the party um like every time i've played time. he's just like i've probably run that adventure 10 times and they've always been like yeah bring him with us yeah sure oh yeah <laughs> yeah we have to we gotta he's yeah so meepo cute. he's coming with us this poor um, little guy we can, we can take him <laughs> yeah and the thing with meepo and the reason why i've sort of been thinking about this a lot is because um Everyone forgets about those people. Like if you have an NPC that isn't that's connected to the party, but not, you know, not actually a party, not, not a player. Uh, essentially, they often get forgotten, which is what I've been thinking about a lot with uh, in the last couple of months, which we'll get to later. <laughs> why have you been thinking about that a lot, Stuart? Well, yeah, why? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because, like, obviously the. The DM or the GM is running the game and so running this character. And so you try, um, like in my experience, I've always tried to sort of not use them as a like do sex machina sort of device, but, you know, maybe like lead them along if they seem like a little like lost as to what, what to do next. Uh, like sort mm. of like use that NPC to sort of lead, like, you know, gently nudge them in the right direction mm-hmm. or to open up possibilities you know or mm-hmm. like you know it's always interesting to like use them as a sort of un- unreliable narrator mm-hmm. and you know and sort of you know because like no like you know one person can't be expected to know everything and you know the same reason why people think that you know the kid from the life cereal box like ate pop rocks and coke and died is you know like you know is the same reason why, like, you know, the information that this NPC companion might, you know, uh, they might be wrong because they just heard something, but it ends up being incorrect. Yeah. Or they might have their own motivations, you know, like that. Exactly. You know, or they could just be because they're in your party or, or traveling with you. They, they've got something else they want to do. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I. And I think I, I do very similar stuff with, with with those sorts of NPCs. Is that they're they're there for, um, you know, it depends who's controlling them. But usually, I'd say that the, the players are, are controlling them, but that their knowledge is is usually owned by by the DM. However, I guess it depends on the type of companion you have. You know, like so, we can sort of break them down. In in Tash, as they call them sidekicks which is actually if you have tashes or having a read through that is an excellent way to do sidekicks um because essentially you take any monster and then you lay over the top of it a uh this uh leveling system that it's got and it levels from level one to 20 which i think is pretty cool and there's three types of sidekicks that they have um i don't love the term sidekick um but you know that's just me and the way that i play dnd uh, but you know you have hirelings, retainers, and companions. And a hireling is someone that you might just pay for 
once off, you know, it might be a, a mercenary that you pick up or you know, a caravan guard or something like that. A retainer is someone that's been around for a, a, a bit longer and is aligned to your character or, or, or the group. Um, Matt Colville's uh, Strongholds and Followers has excellent rules for retainers. Um, and then a companion is someone that's not paid um, and is a friend. And I would say, depending on what, which of those three you're looking at, I would, I think that changes the the control that a player has over them. Like mm-hmm. a hireling, yeah, they can tell them what to do and whatnot, but the DM might send them off in the other way. A retainer, maybe complete player control. However, there might be knowledge and stuff the DM owns, and then a companion. That to me feels like a like a player owned thing. You know, like a if you're a um, a ranger with a with a wolf that's your wolf you know right um, i love yeah, the fun. fact that it, it sounds like um and this is the one i was really focused on it sounds like that one is very much instead of considering them pets like they used to be considered all the time i like the fact that they've changed them into basically allies now mm. you know they're not they're not your pets they're their own beings and they mm. just happen to be following you they just happen to follow you they happen to like you they consider you you know mom dad brethren you know whatever they consider you they're following you by choice they're not there because you made them yeah you know um you know i have three dogs but if you know a troll ends up attacking me like i don't think that they're gonna end up like rolling for initiative alongside (laughs) me you know so like that sort of like sentience is, is something that um, sort of, uh, like you said, goes beyond just like the pet sort of aspect dynamic and more into an, a companion slash ally. Yeah, because, you know, if you do have uh, like a dire wolf companion or whatever it may be and you get into combat, they roll for initiative uh, usually. And sometimes it just, you know, they'll, depending on you know DM rules, um, they'll just go after you or before you mm-hmm. uh, just for um, simplicity's sake. Uh, but if yeah, for me, if if it's a uh, if it's a small encounter, if it's a manageable encounter, I should say, uh, I'll let the companion roll separately and let uh, them strategize based on that, rather than you know have, always having to go back to back. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 different sort of um, dynamics in there is definitely uh, lend themselves to different uh, game styles. From mm-hmm. you know, hireling to retainers to companions. I mean, like, there's no loyalty with a hireling. There, you know, there's very little to a retainer in that. Like, you know, at least, at least there's some history there. Like Stuart said, like you know, that someone that you've you've paid a you know decent amount of money to, and they've been around for a little bit. So that could be an aspect that could be played into, like you know, sort of like a Han Solo type situation where. You know they've stuck around long enough that they've actually damn i'm starting to care about these people mm. uh mm. You know, they're not in it for just the money mm. and then obviously a companion is is someone who's you know who's you know ride or die we can we can go in the, in the parlance of today's youth i was say we can stay on the han solo track and we can just call it chewy yeah yeah chewy becomes Chewbacca. the is his companion you know that's someone that's mm-hmm. with him he's right you know ride or die with um with with solo and i guess i guess it depends on 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 why that you know why why would you 
why is this person or creature or monster, because we are going to talk about monsters, mm-hmm. uh, there? And and why would you have them? And, and so this comes to like why I've been thinking about it a lot is because I've been playing some uh, solo RPGs and I've been playing one-on-one uh, uh, D&D and uh, another game called... Um, Another game called Can, which is a, or Can, which is a, uh, just a rules like RPG, uh, which has a, a thing about hirelings. And when you're playing like one GM, one player, having a an extra simple character for them to to have with them is is really helpful. Um, and so, like you always said, like they're useful for relaying information. They're useful for uh, nudging. Uh, a party in the right direction but then if you've got a if you only have a very large group of players like if you're playing with just two other players having a a companion or two or a hireling um sort of helps to even out combat you know and to soak up some damage if if, if you're doing a, a combat heavy sort of thing um and then i've i've written here why monsters because they're cool and <laughs> I oh, think having a monster in a in a in a party of of relatively um, standard backgrounds and ancestries, uh, a makes it cool if you've got like a big badass combat focused monster. But then it also brings in some interesting elements when you go to town. You know, like if you're going to town and you've got a troll that's in your party. Um, the common folk are not going to deal with that very well. Um, uh, so that's uh, that's something to to consider, and then why I like it. Um, and so this is a lore cast, right? Of it course, is. it is. It's, okay, I mean, it's, cool. it's it's lore. Well, hold it's, on, wait a minute. Let me check the title. Yep, it's lore cast. <laughs> you know, it's, it does it's, say it's that lore. on the box. Yeah. It does say that. It's all the good things. It's all it's it's all things D and D. We like we like the lore because the lore is, for me, what uh, what really hooked me in. Mm-hmm. Like, the mechanics, the game mechanics, and all that it is fun, and the game you know the gameplay is fun, but man, it's it's so, give me that sweet juicy lore. Roll that beautiful lore footage. I say. So I have uh, I've been uh, diving into a bit of uh, lore in the last couple of days. Uh, I said to Crit that I've been starved of podcasts, so I sort of sent through, hey, here's all this research I've done. You guys should look at this. Um, and uh, I put a shout-out to the Sages of the Forgotten Realm Facebook group, who are, if you're ever curious about any Forgotten Realm stuff, that Facebook group is uh, top-notch. If we have any listeners from there, thank you very much. Um, but uh, they got me onto some stuff uh, that I hadn't heard of before, like a troll mercenary called Ark. Um, who is he's smaller than normal trolls, but pretty intelligent. Um, and he had a really he's got a really disturbing habit of licking his sword, and his sword, whenever it is drawn, drips with blood. Uh, it's a a great sword that has got some. Uh, yeah, so he's licking a sword goaded in blood. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, this so is he, getting he, good. <laughs> Yeah, so he's uh he is uh he is what you would call a hireling. Okay. He he's only interested in jobs that last a 10 day. So he's not going to do anything that goes over a 10 day. So he's often taking jobs as a as a caravan uh guard. And he like 
So you might hire him to take, do your job, uh, but he will get, he, he finds it tedious hanging out with, uh, with non-trolls, even though he doesn't, well, he finds it tedious hanging out with anyone. So, uh, you know, he doesn't like the pleasantries that go along with civilized life. So if he does hang around for too much long after 10 day, he might, um, he might do some things that you, uh, don't like because he is willing he's likely to succumb to his natural natural bloodlust and uh, start killing the party or attacking the party um so that's that's like an interesting take on a on, a, on a, like a a monstrous hireling that yeah cool he's wicked in combat and he can do amazing stuff but if he's here for too long he's gonna get bored and start eating us um, <laughs> right which is pretty rad and so his he, he carries this great sword which is a um, it's a storing, a spell storing great sword that has inflict wounds in it. Um, and so he can do a lot of damage on the battlefield, but then he's also got some other cool stuff like a, like a ring of feather falling. So he can be a bit versatile there as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. one of the, the characters from D and D law that you can, you can pick up. Um, yeah, I was going to say if, you know, if there's anyone who, like in in game has made a living as a mercenary then you for sure like there there's someone to be reckoned with you know like people in that line of work if they're not very good at it don't last long yeah <laughs> and, you know uh if you know what i mean they die they get killed ha, um, ha. <laughs> ha. oh is that what you mean right but uh yeah and as as far as like D D lore goes uh, I won't get into it too much because we're actually going to cover this character in depth next week for our 100th episode. Ooh. We're actually um, we're going to go old school with it. We're going to we're going to go old school with it. We're going to talk about um, some of the original characters uh, like Tensor and Melf. Uh, some of these uh, characters that have spells, uh, you know, named after them. Uh, and one of those characters is Bigby who started off as a uh, as an NPC, a low-level wizard that uh, Mordekainen, who was being played by Gary Gygax, uh, used a charm spell. And so he was able to control him. And eventually, like, he became a servant of his because of the charm spell and eventually convinced him to leave behind his evil ways. Um, so I think that might be like the first example of a sort of hireling slash... Uh, retainer in D&D lore history uh, but yeah like I said we'll, we'll discuss more about Big B next week just a little a little dabble a little a little taste a little hint of uh, what's to come for episode 100 you gotta do the base sprinkle when you say that I don't have to do anything <laughs> but love D&D and die <laughs> oh gosh <clears throat> so I know Stuart's got a couple more examples did you want to drop some more of these examples of uh that you said yeah I'll, I'll drop a couple more uh there's another one from uh this guy can be found in storm king's thunder and he is a frost giant called Harshnag the grim um who is a a member of uh a gray force which is like the adventuring party i think it's a i think it's a harper's adventuring party it was an elite group of adventurers oh they're just adventurers that worked that work directly for the government of water water deep okay so he's like an, a frost giant that's been exiled from um a clan of frost giants and in that adventure he can join you 
and join your party and go adventuring with you. Uh, now, this brings to light some really, you know, like if you've got a frost giant in your party, that's a that's a considerable advantage. So it might not be something <laughs> that you introduce uh, too early. You know, that seems like a very high level uh, NPC or um, companion to join. And, he, uh, you know, this guy would be a, a companion. He's there for his own reasons, but uh, those reasons align with um, with the party. Um, and that's something to consider as well. Like if you, you have a companion or a retainer, is a retainer sticking around just for the money or are they turn, slowly turning into a companion? And then once whatever their goals are, are achieved, are they done? Um, or is it more of a um, Alfred from Batman sort of situation where they're dedicated to, to, the, to the family, even though they are paid? Um, and there's a... Now, this isn't necessarily a, there's a lot of lore on this, and it's not something that I'm familiar with. Uh, so please let me know if I've got any of this wrong. Uh, but these are called Newon ghouls, okay? And they're trans transparent bodied creatures from the world of Newon. Um, and they were unrelated to who were unrelated to the more familiar ghouls. So they kind of look like ghouls, but they've got like translucent flesh. It's, um, yeah, it's the gnarliest thing I've ever seen. It's like um, it's like a clear jellied skeleton. It's like a, it's like a skeleton like covered like in this like clear jelly. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, you can, you can, it has some sort of covering, but it's completely transparent. So you can just see right through it. And yeah. Got, but and you can only see the like scimitars and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but you can only see their bones, so you can't see any any of the internal organs or anything. So it's that you know they say that it's difficult to to kill them because you're not exactly sure where stuff is, even though it looks they look like humans. Um, they um, this is uh, so they they considered themselves more civilized than humans, and saw cannibalizing humans, uh, turning them into more clear bodied kin as an altruistic act so similar to like i don't know a vampire i guess they can turn someone into the same sort of thing that they are um but they are known to um become companions or uh, hire themselves out as um as hirelings or retainers to adventuring groups so uh, these guys are from second edition um and i believe they appear in one of Ed Greenwood's books, uh, The Code of the Harpers, um, where they, you know, are, are part of an adventuring group there. Um, but I just thought these would be a cool one-off sort of hireling or retainer that would be really weird to have in the party, but super effective. And then trying to manage them when you're in town, like all of a sudden you've, just, okay, you gotta put your cloak on, man, because you're gonna freak everybody out. Um, and, and you know you can find a lot of these a lot of these sort of um, companions and 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 retainers in the official books, like in uh, Tomb of Annihilation. There's a whole heap of guides that you can pick up in Port Nianzaru. Uh, one of them is Eku, which I like particularly uh, because they are actually a quadl, uh, which is a how do you describe it? Otherworldly winged serpentine creature. Uh, um, yeah, they're celestial. Um, they're yeah, they're celestial. They're um, they're basically rainbow winged serpents. 
is yeah. the easiest way I can explain them. Their head, they have the head of a dragon, but the body and tails of a serpent. And then they have these angelic or bird-like wings that are rainbowed. And yeah, scales they're, they're, to I, match. Um, I guess they're, they're loosely based, or directly based off of um, uh, the South American god. Coaxacol? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's but they're 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 in human form. They're 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 they put themselves into a humanoid form and are secretly uh traveling and working as a guide and the adventuring party doesn't know, which is another th- cool thing you can do with uh hirelings reta- and retainers is because if they're just someone you've picked up to to work for you, you have no idea what their other intentions are. Okay, and these are things that you can sort of develop as the game goes on, and as a DM you can you can latch on to those things. Um, but yeah, that's just a few examples from the law. Um, did you guys gonna, have any other I was gonna, ones? There? I wanted to. I wanted to touch back on the um, on the Nehan ghouls. Yeah, uh, I like the fact that you know they they look like you know like your basic undead sort of like you know zombie creatures, uh, but they're actually like the complete opposite of that. Like they're very mm-hmm. like they consider themselves very civilized to the point where. Like they think they're more civilized than other uh, groups of people, and mm. so I just love the idea of this like very like hoity-toity, like holier than thou, like skeleton monster, <laughs> like elitist uh, monster. Yeah, basically <laughs> like this sort of like hipster uh, skeleton. Hipster skeleton. Um, like telling like you know like dogging like the dwarf in the party because of like he thinks the dwarven culture is is lowbrow or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, and it's uh it's something that you could easily convert over to um, mm-hmm. to to fifth edition. And in fact, I'm going to uh, if you join the Robots Radio Discord, we have a uh, channel for the Dungeons and Dragons uh, Lorecast. Uh, we're always what? on there. Um, yeah, you didn't know that, Chris. No. We're always on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because uh, I I have nothing. Like I said, if if you ask me to talk about D and D or pro wrestling, um, you you better pack a lunch because it's gonna be a minute. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, post uh, some information on the the new or the new one ghouls in that. So if you're already a member, check it out. If you're not, please sign up. There's a link in the show notes. Mm. So I did want to touch these guys before we jump to our mid break too. When you were talking about having them in the party and being in a village and trying to hide. All I could think of the whole time was what if this NPC and this, you know, ally had their own agenda to try to turn an entire village into its own personal army. So, you know, while they're trying to, you know, keep it under wraps and keep it hidden and they think it's an ally in the middle of the night when no one's watching him, he goes through the village and just turns the whole village. Yeah. So I just wait in the room. Yeah. You go off and do stuff and you get back and they're not there. And yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> it's the only thing I think of. I was like, huh. huh. And, and it might not even be uh, a long-term plan. It just might be something that as as the adventure progressive uh, progresses, it's something that comes to them. Like, hey, this would be a great idea. So it's not something mm-hmm. that they start off, you know, uh, their participation in the group, like wanting to do, but, you know, they sort of are very opportunist and you know, take you know, take advantage of you know what uh, you know what comes their way. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if you do have it as a 
I mean, you could really do it either way, but if you do start it earlier, you could honestly make this ally also the BBEG for the entire campaign, especially if the turn time for these creatures isn't, you know, isn't immediate. If it takes time for it to take effect and them to turn, turn an entire village and then come back like nothing ever happened and continue on your way. And you do that at six or seven villages. And now you've got six or seven villages of an army. Yeah, I like that idea that there, as you travel across the land, there's just this trail of um, carnage behind, left behind. But 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 it's a week after you've left that things start yes. to happen. Yes. Yes. You know. Yeah. And then it's not until you know you, you come to a, to a climax that you realize what what's been happening. We're we're evil DMs. <laughs> <laughs> is right. Any D, is any DM not evil? No, you. It's part of the. It's part of the job description, it's really. Part of, yeah, you got to be at least <laughs> at least neutral evil. Well, let's jump to our bid break because I know Sergio's got some fantastic things to share, and I too have some minis to talk about. Minis. Minis. Here we are, in the very middle of the show. This is right, where things like heat up it's like there's there's a piece of rye bread on one side the beginning of this episode and then there's another piece on the other side but right now you get the the nice bologna or this whatever is, this is the ham. cheese i like cheese sandwich it's a grilled nice grilled cheese sandwich no no all right well sergio yeah. i think it's time to thank some patrons yes absolutely we have uh any patrons to thank we have uh bjorn ironside we have the dog Indy. We have Jaco Harless, Climbing Zebra, who uh, we want to give a special shout out to for um, they actually went up to a wizard patron. So they'll be able to join us in the patron chats every month if they so uh, decide. Uh, Coffee Husky, Daniel P, Wolf the Sheepdog, Jonathan S, Tex Tinstar, Remington Cloutier, and of course, Lupus Malum. Thank you so much for supporting the show in a financial way. It helps us make the show bigger and better and give back to the community that is, you know, that has nurtured us and supported us. And again, teasing next week's episode, we have a big announcement uh, as a way to give back to the community. Can I do uh, it we, yet? Can I do it? You can't can no. do it next week. Is it? Next week. I said, no. <laughs> we have uh, we have a lot of cool stuff planned for uh, for year three of the D&D Lorecast. Uh, we turned three a couple weeks ago and, you know, we're getting bigger and better than ever. We just, it's a, it's a due in part to the support from Patreon. So if you're able to support us in that way, just head over to patreon.com slash D and D Lorecast. Uh, we have tiers as low as $5, all sorts of cool stuff, t-shirts, stickers. Uh, you're able to be in the Patreon chat at the end of the month. Uh, and if you're, if you're not in a situation where you're able to do that, you know, continuing to listen to the show, uh, word of mouth, you know, retweeting us on Twitter, uh, telling, you know, your the folks at your local game shop, which uh, Stuart doesn't know anything about, but um, here in about local game shop. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, uh, you're getting your, your, there's a community of, of, of gamers uh, meeting together at, at some, um, at some small dank gaming store and, and having the times of your life. I mean, like that's, the, some of my best memories come from uh, like walking the stacks of my local comic book store slash game shop. But 
yeah, just continue listening and, you know, continue recommending us. Uh, that's, you know, that's more than we could ever ask for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sergio always says all the words that I want to say, but he takes them. So I'm just going to say thank you. And I appreciate you all. And I love you all. You're all amazing. That, that's because so people would think, man, like Sergio really cares about really? us. Crit never says anything. Crit's a jerk. <laughs> Gotta think. Uh, <clears throat> well, I think we should allow our guests to go first. Stuart, do you have anything you want to bring up in the realm of D&D for us? Uh, anything I want to bring up in the realm of D&D? Um, not really. I've been uh, I've been busy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, if you look right there, there's a little game that I wrote. Oh, yes. Called... I love that game. What's so rotten about zombies? Mm-hmm. Defending an ancient temple. And you can pick that up on Exalted Funeral in a I... print copy. And you can also get digital copies on itch.io. Um, I've recently done a Zine Month Kickstarter. Oh, not a Kickstarter. A itch funding uh, for a little um, location called Largshire, which if anyone knows me from uh, the Committee Quest um, podcast, that is the town that most of the adventures take pl- place in. Uh, that is getting written up into a uh, A4 little zine. Um, you can still back that now if you head over to itch, and that is um, will be getting shipped out in december at the end of the year um i've got another adventure on the go as well called um uh the rot under winterbrook i think oh, this is the oh, first oh. time i've talked about it yeah it is really cool. so i'm just about to finish the writing on that and the artist that i've teamed up with has been doing some uh amazing art um i will speak to them and see if i can share some of that in the uh D lorecast discord yes um, and that is essentially a low-level um, adventure uh, set in a town that has something disturbing happening underneath it that the townsfolk don't understand Ooh. and are trying to hide. Um, so there is all sorts of stuff going on there. If you want to see more of my stuff, you can go to my website, which is Um and you can join. I've got a little Discord channel that's got a few people in there, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and all those places. But yeah, working on stuff at the moment. And of course, we're going to have links for all this stuff all that we're talking about shows. in the show notes. So don't and worry, we got you. <laughs> and it's it's good. And, you know, this is this is exactly uh, you know why Stuart you know stepped back. As a, as a co-host of the DD Lord as he wanted to write more, he wanted to mm-hmm. you know create more more games. And um, had you come up, had you shown up today and said, I haven't made any games, I would have jumped through the screen and punched you because you're too talented <laughs> not to. <laughs> I will have to say, uh, we have played uh What's So Rotten About Zombies, and it was fantastic. We had a blast playing it. And I think we're gonna do another one next Halloween for another special. Because it was just oh, excellent. Everybody just fell in love with the game. They were like, "We get to be the zombie. We get to be the undead." I'm like, oh yeah. Oh I'm, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm writing a little one page, uh, one page DM guide for that because um, I had a bit of feedback from some players who were like, oh, "I don't really, you know, especially if they're they're coming from something more traditional like D and D or Pathfinder, mm-hmm. which has a lot of, hey, this is how you run the game." Yeah. Um, right. Just a little one-page tips of of uh, a good way to set up and a good way to play. Um, 
not 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 like rules. This is how you have to play, but just mm-hmm. if, if people need guidance. So that if you already have that, that'll be added to the um, added to the downloads uh, and available for free on 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 each. Beautiful. Yeah, I was gonna say I have my copy around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just Mine's on the bookshelf. My, <laughs> well, I just moved into my new office, so I don't have everything up. I barely, I barely have what I have up, just so I could show off, show it off a little bit. Oh, I still have a ton of stuff in in my bedroom in the garage. Anyway, um, minis, minis, minis. Okay, so enough, enough about browbeating me for not. Mm. I have a copy. So, I have it on good. Good, good, good information that Mordenkainen presents Monsters in the Multiverse is going to be getting miniatures coming June of this year. Now, I will say that these dates are subject to change, but the likeliness of it is because I already have one of the minis revealed. So the uh, I, I think it's the Neothelid. Neothalid, I can never pronounce this. Uh, the Neothalid, it is the large serpent-like. Uh, I call it the. Um, oh, what was that movie? Uh, the they gra- they go through the ground. Um, tremors. Graboids. Graboids. Yes, yes. It looks like a graboid. Okay, um, <laughs> is the easiest tremors. way to explain uh, this thing. Uh, but it is considered a unique, so it is not going to be part of the set that they release, but it probably will be the special unique release that they do like every other miniature set they release. Um, and it does look like it is a large to um, huge creature. So if you want to check that out, we'll have, I'm going to post a link in the, uh, chat and then of course we will have that link in the show notes for you to check out too this pretty gnarly picture um but yeah so right now there's only one miniature planned so to speak but that is that is the matter that is extremely subject to change because this website goes with what it's found out through leaks um so we'll we'll keep you up to date when more come out just like we did with the uh, Strahd miniatures as they came out. So that's what I have. That thing looks does not look mini at all. <laughs> it's not a mini. Huge, definitely not a mini. That is really large. Yeah. <laughs> it is so gross looking. It's terrifying. It's nightmare fuel for mm, sure. I want it. I want it. I got a perfect place on my shelf for it, just up there with the rest of the dragons and giants. I mean, in, in that office that looks just like mine. Huh? Weird. <laughs> Oh, well, before Sergio, we get, I was gonna say, before we get to the uh, DMs Guild, uh, you know, this is a couple of weeks old, but uh, the news broke um, back at the end of last month that uh, the next one second, my dogs, you want to say that blank dog, I told you to let it go. I like him. I named him Charlie. Transmutation. Uh, but yeah, they announced the next book for uh, the next Wizard of the Coast special book is called uh journeys through the radiant citadel which is uh third it's it's an anthology much like the aforementioned tales of the yawning portal or uh, candle keep mysteries um but it's 13 adventures that actually you could conceivably tie them together because they're each like go each you know first level second level third level all the way up to 13th um but you don't necessarily have to 
Um, but what's cool about these is that they're all written by a person of color. So they all bring their own experience and their own culture, their own firsthand experience and culture, rather than, um, you know, what is what has been typical in D&D, where you would have someone writing about a different culture. And as a result, you know, sometimes either uh, untrue, harmful uh, stereotypes might weave them away, weave their way into into the characterization like we saw with the Vistani, like a lot of uh, you know uh, hurtful stereotypes uh, around the Romani group, which the Vistani are based on, you know, since the beginning of the Ravenloft campaign setting, have you know weave their way into into those characters, and you know, and Wizard has done their part about you know sort of rectifying that, mm-hmm. but I think this is very cool that you know we get to see. A bunch of voices that we really haven't seen uh, heard from before and i'm excited for it yes i am this is this is probably one of my f- most anticipated books of this year to be released i'm super stoked they're promising a lot of cool things in this i'm ready to do my review right now sergio let's go <laughs> i want it i want it and they didn't take too long after Mm-mm. releasing after releasing Nether Deep, I was like, I really don't haven't announced anything yet. Well, I don't know what to look forward to. <laughs> but in the meantime, there's plenty of stuff on the DMs Guild to check out, mm-hmm. including this week's DMs uh, DM Guild Corner of, of the Week. Uh, speaking of you know hirelings and retainers and companions, we have a pay what you want with a suggested price of one ninety nine. Uh, by Calvin Adams Cohorts and Animal Companions. This quick rule supplement was designed to use uh, for his own D&D group when they're having issues on how to utilize things like cohorts, animal companions, and such. Came up with the rules to streamline play with these issues and make it fair for everyone at the table. So not only is it um, does it uh, give you two new feats for uh, these companions, but also, like you said, like, it helps you sort of weave that into your gameplay with minimal effort you know whereas you know before it might have been like well you know do i let the the player control every aspect and then i just provide the knowledge but so something like this is something that will definitely help the dm uh not simplify the game but make it you know more manageable which you know if if you dm then you know that yeah it can be uh, a a campaign can get or even an adventure can get pretty unwieldy pretty quickly mm-hmm yeah, I will put a link to it in the chat right now. And of course, it'll be in the show notes for those of you listening to the audio version of this. So with all that being said, it's time to jump into my favorite part of the episode. Because the magic items, but we're going to jump to the end of the episode. It's not my favorite because it's ending. It's my favorite because the magic item. Come on. I was going to say, like, you made it seem like. If you put the magic item at the beginning, it'd be my favorite part of the episode, but that's not how it works. Well, then you should have said that to begin with. (laughs) All right. Let's jump to the end of the episode. Ah! Oh, that scream. That fantastic scream. Ha, legendary. I mean, it is. It's. It's. It it's is actually. Yeah. Right. I've said this on the show before, but that's. I do a, a unit of, um, of filmmaking at school, where would they have to use the Wilhelm scream? Uh, 
in their in their film. Uh, yes, because it is it is legendary. It's very legendary. It's the best. Ah, <sighs> so to continue our discussion before we jump into some magic items, let's talk about how you're going to bring these wonderful little hirelings, retainers, and companions into our games. Mm. Mm. Well, there's a few ways you can do that. You know, you can, they're hirelings, you're just going to go buy them. <laughs> you're uh, mine now. Here, here's your gold. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you might might make a, a progression that, you know, you mm-hmm. keep hiring the same hireling and slowly they become, they're on, on retainer and they're staying with you. And then, you know, perhaps something happens that makes them uh, a companion after that and they no longer mm-hmm. seek uh, money. Um one of the most common ways will be would be that it's a, a creature that you come across in an adventure. So if you happen to be, you know, like Meepo in um, Sun, Sunless Citadel, it's someone that they they come across and they they befriend and they come with them. Um, I do like the idea of a, um, you know, like hobgoblin mercenaries. Like I see, like I feel like hobgoblins are just so martial. You know, like yeah, cool. You you can hire all three of us, but only all three of us. And we, you know, they just have a camp outside of town somewhere, and everybody knows that you can go to the hobgoblins and they'll fight for you. But then you'll have <laughs> you'll have hobgoblins on your party, uh, and just be aware that you've got hobgoblins. Um, I also like the idea. Now, this is something that sort of bleeds into the next thing we're going to talk about. But of a um, oh, I've forgotten the phrase. The word is it a lemur? Lemur, the um, the lowest form of devil oh a lemure yeah all right yeah so they're all about contracts (laughs) and deals right oh yeah so so what if the uh what if the contract is about includes that the, the you need to fight for me all right and the way that they work is the more things that they kill, the closer they come to the next level of demonhood, mm-hmm. uh, devilhood, sorry. So then instead of leveling up that stat block, you just get the next devil in the chain of command. Yeah. Um, so that you, so as you go through adventuring with this devil on your team, you know, you end up with a, um, with like a spine devil or something along those lines. It's funny you should bring this up because when we played uh, Descent to Avernus, at some point you actually get to Avernus, and that is exactly what my party did. They they grabbed a Lemure, and they made a specific... It was Daniel, of course, made a very specific deal that said, uh, we won't kill you as long as you come fight with us. And the way they had this thing cornered, it knew that it was it was it was destroyed. It was dead, especially with one of them one of them having uh, angelic bloodline. They knew it was it was over. So the Lemure said deal, and as they progressed, eventually it became a pit fiend. They continued to fight and fight and fight, and it continued to evolve and evolve and evolve and evolve. And it got so powerful that it pretty much could have taken the party, entire party out single-handedly, but it started to feel compassion towards the party members. Yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> it 
a series yeah. of uh, fumbles on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how cool is the idea that you you might after after years of adventuring, you might have a uh, a chain devil in the party, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, or or a bone devil or something like that. Um, I do. I do love that idea. That's one of the ones that sort of st- stood out to me. Although m- most of the event, most of the adventures I like to run are quite low level, um, so I, I do really like the idea of getting something like a, I don't know, a, a, a goblin that that joins the party or a, um, some someone on on Facebook suggested a flumph, um, which would be fun if you're adventuring in the underdark to have a, a flumph companion. Of course, not that they would do much for you, but that'd be cool um actually actually another mcdm product called uh companions and the beast master companions and the beast heart and monstrous companions which is exactly what we're talking about that has uh, a heap of companions uh statted out in it one of which one of my favorites um is a uh myconid uh, so like you can have a little um mushroom guy that's uh, one of your companions um and also a mimic companion uh so the example that they have in that is a is a backpack that's a mimic <laughs> that's your companion <laughs> which Look, i really really like i want one of those now <laughs> yeah um, yeah i was gonna say uh a fun i mean and granted like it's um it, it doesn't this is isn't too unlike the beginning of any adventure where you sort of have like four to six different uh, characters meeting up in the tavern or, you know, and decide to band together, but you could have everyone's backstory is like, you are a mercenary for hire. You are a hireling and you are all, you've all accepted this job. And so you sort of, everyone's running that same sort of dynamic and you can kind of, you tell them like, Hey, like, you know, you have like, they have to figure out their own motivation. Like how, you know, speak with each player beforehand. Like there's some, there's, there's some sort of goal that you want to, you know, whether it's avenging your brother's death or if it's attaining like a great fortune where you don't have to work anymore, but Mm. all the decisions that they make in the game should, uh, you know, should work toward that goal and just sort of see. And, but obviously like, you know, you don't, um, you want to get this job done so you don't just want to screw every player over and in, in seeking that but that, that that'd be fun that i think that that's uh that's something i definitely need to run here pretty soon yeah i, th- I think you know that sort of works in in, in the vein of like a, a mercenary company you know like everyone mm-hmm. in the in the party is 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 a part of this and i i i think that also opens up the opportunity for for character deaths to be a bit more mm-hmm. um acceptable um but that's the, the you know that's if you're playing uh, uh fifth edition it's that's a much i think that's a much harder topic to broach because often character creation is a really character creation is quite in depth and you're creating a character that is you know has a has a concept and and is a, you have a connection to as a as a player um if you're playing something a bit older like if you're if you're playing second edition or if you're playing um any of the um um like you're playing the, the black hack or the white hack or or nave or or any of the other um sort of indie rpgs that are in the 
old school revival sort of vein where character creation is really quick and simple um that's another option that you, you have there um but then the cool thing about those games is you can just chuck this stuff in there because most of them use the same similar stats at least <laughs> right exactly so we've talked about a lot this episode we've talked about what they are what they can be you know the differences between each one we've even talked about implementing them into the games i guess the only thing left to ask is how would we run them i mean us as the dm how are we going to run these things yeah i i i'm i I sort of broke this down in my mind into a few different character categories firstly it's completely the player's choice you know the player Mm -hmm. the player comes up with the background their connection to the to the creature it is essentially another character that the player has made so they know all about them and you let them do that you might as you would with any other character as a dm you might step in to stop this or that the other way i would do it is um uh like a bit of a shared responsibility so the um the players decide what the characters what the what the um the hirelings doing as far as combat goes and where they're going and what you know and they roll do all the dice rolling for them but then it is ultimately the the dm that controls the knowledge like we talked about with hirelings i think that's probably the i mean a hireling is might be a, a, almost like a nameless sort of thing and, as, mm-hmm. and if they stay with the party a bit longer then they develop a bit more of a a backstory and a character um and then there's dm completely controlled but i'm i'm of the opinion of giving players more to do than giving dms more to do Um, (laughs) Uh, my whole whole, uh ethos is dms do less players do more um and if you want to check out my series on my blog series on west march's campaigns you can see how i put that into play um which is another option, and then there's another option, which I—it's just a, a, a dot point in in the um, in Tashes, which is all the players have uh, a bit of access to that NPC or to that hireling or to that uh, retainer. Now, this is I think is a really cool idea, and I would steal from another game called um, Kids on Bikes. Now, Kids on Bikes is essentially um, Stranger Things, the RPG. So uh, you all play. Uh, either a kid, a teenager, or an adult, and there is something weird going on in town, and and then you you sort of investigate and find out what's going on, and it's it's a very fluid storytelling game where the GM doesn't doesn't really con- they sort of con- they don't control the world, but they are the world, and it's more of a discussion. However, in that there are powered characters. A powered character is essentially your eleven from um, uh, Stranger Things. And the way that they run that is that all the characters, all the players have a little bit of control over that. Each player is given two bits of information about the powered character that only that player knows, which they can pull out at any time when there is an obstacle in the way. And they can be like, and then they they take control of the powered character, um, which I think would be a great way to implement uh, an interesting companion or retainer um especially a monster uh because a monster you might not actually know much about like if you have a i don't know uh what's a, a strange powerful monster um displacer beast 
okay, yeah, cool. You have a displacer beast, uh, which you know I think are fey creatures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. know, you might um, there, there's stuff that only that, that you don't know about it, but the the players then take control over the narrative of what the what the retainer would be doing, um, and that's uh, that I think is a really cool way to 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 involve players in the storytelling and to alleviate pressure on the DM and to um, help build the background of a of a monster or an, or, or a retainer. Yeah, and at that point, the players are more invested in this character mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. if it's just the DM. Like, oh, it's just, you know, when, you know, players don't trust the DM. So, you know, like it's a character that for all, you know, uh, intents and purposes could, you know, shiv us in our next, you know, the next time we have a long rest. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh I've done a little bit of everything, honestly. Um when it's come to like a lot of my found, you know, when it comes to like a a character's ally that they have right from the start, or you know, a family member or even a pet, I've let them do that on their own. This is your creature, you create it. But if it's like uh, at one point, one of my party members acquired a blink hound as a pet. I allowed them to teach it tricks and command words and things like that. And, you know, we, I allowed the player to kind of talk its personality out. But the twist came when it wasn't really a blink hound. It was a celestial being. You know, that uh. was that was my little spin on it being like, it's still loyal to you. It's still everything you want it to be. But this entire time, it was actually a celestial hound. Mm. It was just in hiding. You know, I've done that an awful lot of, hey, I'm going to pull the wool out, you know, from Mundia. And, you know, you're going to see underneath the sheet that it's not what you thought it was from the beginning. Yeah. Um, And I've always had those little puppeteer strings working in the back. But I do like the idea as well of your players being able to take control of this, you know, potentially powerful beast throughout mm. because of the information they know yeah. i really and, like and, that and you, as as a dm you still have control over what you give them like oh so yeah if you if, if each you got four players you write down 10 little dot points and you give them two each and they're all things that you want that character that that character to be able to do or, or to use um but it is then the players that that have control over that and, and implement that how they want to um you know that 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 really is is a really quick bit of um, prep you can do that could out last out a, a whole campaign. You know, mm-hmm. ten little dot points, and you you know you explain to the players beforehand like you're all getting this. Keep it secret, keep it safe, and only use it when um, when you uh, you think it's most necessary. Keep it that secret. way, you don't have them all unloading all the information in the first session. Oh my gosh! And you know they would, because this is no. how it works. <laughs> You guys, play, guys! I got that it likes to eat hot dogs. Stop! Stop! <laughs> like you, you just ruined an encounter with a hot dog monster. I had for the third session. Damn it! <laughs> Knock it off! Oh gosh! So we talked a lot about uh, our allies and and beloved acquired uh, mascots for the team. Let's be honest; that's what they always end up being is team mascots. Mm. <laughs> kind of, yeah. A little bit, yeah. So. Are we ready for a magic item? I am. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. I so I got something toasty. I don't do a whole lot of jewelry, I realize. 
So this week I've got a necklace. Okay. Now this necklace is a very ornately carved pearl necklace with a simple silver heart as the pendant. Okay. Here's how it works. This is the necklace of friendship. When you put it on an enemy or any random NPC, if they fail a constitution saving throw of 10, you then acquire them as an ally for 24 hours. Now, if they fail a second time, if you don't remove the necklace after 24 hours and they fail a constitution check of 15, you acquire them for an additional 24 hours. And if they you still don't remove it, and after 72 hours, they failed a DC check of 20. They then become a permanent ally as long as they have the necklace on them. The downside to this, what's in order to... Yeah, what's, the, what's, what's the hook? What's the rub? Come in on, order to acquire this necklace, you must make a pact with a devil. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. I mean, that's a pretty is. powerful magical item. I guess, you know, when it starts off, it's not eh, it's not too bad. But at the end, I mean, you could get some BBEGs as allies and eh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Must yeah. make a pact with um, the devil for it. <laughs> I I do like that idea. And I like that the devil might be someone in the party already. Mm-hmm. If you've got yourself some sort of terrible, horrible devil companion. Oh, yeah. Um, and oh, I had a thought there. Uh, something about the whoever the character, whoever the NPC or monster is beforehand, whatever their dist, whatever, how, whoever they feel about you before you put the necklace on them might have some sway over the impact if they fail or if, if they pass sorry mm-hmm. so therefore maybe a, a, their reaction is twice as strong might even come up with a little oh yeah table. you have a negative dis- uh, what's the term what am i trying to say i'm a writer guys i know words and stuff <laughs> um uh, dis- uh someone so i bet you someone's listening to this, like, this are you, is ta- the are you talking you about know. making a dice table a dice chart no, no no i'm talking about that but so whatever their um how would they feel about you, right? Oh, disposition. Ah, disposition. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Welcome to the dictionary podcast <laughs> where Stuart tries to remember words and other people tell him. Um, so whatever that, like if they, if they, if they have a negative one, mm-hmm. then if they pass and the, the necklace doesn't work, then you can roll on a reaction table and it's like, you know, they, you know, they violently attack you. They... They know what you did and walk away and plot. And now they're now they are a long term rival. Um, and they have your necklace. <laughs> and they have the necklace. Yeah, that's right. They that put too. it back. They try to put it on you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, the uh the items are always have to go with the context of what we're talking about in the day. Mm. Except for the April Fool's one. I totally pulled that one. That was I had to do a good one for the April Fool's. <laughs> had to had to so we're at the end it's been fun i've enjoyed this i appreciate you Stuart, for coming out and hanging out with us no thank you it's uh uh 
uh, rare occasion these days, but it uh, just turned out that today was not a, a heavy work day. So um, thank you very much for the invite. In the 99th episode. 99. I, I didn't even know that. I was, uh, I am, uh, it's, it's really great. I love that this thing is still going after three oh, years. Oh, look at that. Excellent. <laughs> so, as always, we have to extend and figure out where we, can we get a hold of you, Stuart? Where can we can hang out uh, with you? Well, if you're already in the D&D Lawcast Discord, you can find me there. I think I'm uh, GM Stuart there. Um, you can reach out to me on Twitter, which is at Stuart Wrights. Um, or you can go to my website where you can find all the things, which is www.stuartwatkinson.com. All the things. All the things. Everything's there. All the things. Every really, single it really thing is. is right there. It really is. It's right there. It's all right I've there. been there a couple of times keeping tabs. Be like, what's new? Let's go. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all we have for the day. Oh, I'm just kidding, Sergio. That's fine. I mean, people know. <laughs> I, I've said it. We've been doing the show for seven months. I've been saying <sighs> it. All right, Sergio. Months. What do you got? Uh, well, we're just about finished up with season one of Fandom University. My, uh, mine and my best friend slash uh, writer extraordinaire, Sean Hamill. He's the co-host of that. We um, just dropped the final episode of our Batman arc yesterday. And we'll be doing a couple episodes on Silent Hill to finish up the season. A um, lot, lot, of, lot of hot takes on Silent Hill. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, you know, you can, you can look that up. It's called fandom university. Um, you can find that on every, anywhere you can, that anywhere you'd find the D and D lore cast, uh, podcast, um, you can find it there, uh, link tree slash fandom, fandom, you podcast, uh, or on Twitter at fandom, you podcast. Um, but yeah, yeah. We talk about all manner of nerdy stuff. So I have to admit last week. I had a total brain fart, and I forgot the name of Sergio's show. Yeah. But through the power of editing, no one knew until now. <laughs> <laughs> I went, Sergio's show, and I was like, fan, uh, fan. uh come on. And you all know Sergio's show, Fandom University. <laughs> Cover your mouth. I had to do this a couple times, bang my head against the wall, and you know, oh, yeah, I know what it is. It was... <laughs> But uh, yes, so I have admitted my guilt. I'm sorry, Sergio. It's all right. I forgive you. I appreciate For now. You. For now. Okay. I won't do it again. Won't do it again. I wrote it on the back of my hand. So I mean, it can't I'm, happen. I'm, I'm surprised that you remember like, the names of all I don't. of your shows. You know shows? how many times I've forgotten my own shows? But we're gonna, I'm not going to go through a list of them today because I will forget one of them. But I will talk about uh, two of the... Uh, episodes that we are recording this weekend, recording two of the podcast this weekend, and that is Fumbling For and the Almighty Crit, our D&D 5e live play comedy podcast. And um, which is wild beyond the Witchlight theme. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm digging. I'm I'm loving it. It's hilarious. These guys, I can't get them to do anything but ride the carnival rides, to be honest. It's just all about the carnival rides. And it's great. It's great. But uh, there are some mysterious figures in the crowd that they are dealing with, and we're going to deal with that this weekend during our recording sessions. Um, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mysterious black cloaked figures carrying creepy daggers. Hmm. And uh, I've gotten myself into quite a pickle in the podcast where I play Blitzen, which is the cyberpunk podcast. I um, 
may have potentially walked into a corpo building uh, and tried to, uh, let's say, a quote unquote, negotiate some things. And I may not be walking out. So we're going to find out this weekend what happens there. So <laughs> those are the two pods that I'm going to broadcast this week that we do. But if you're interested in listening to any of the other ones, we got all of our shows in the show notes for the show. All nine of them, soon to be ten. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've got going. I feel like Blitz is a character <laughs> that you like live out. Like I wish I could just day. do every stupid thing that every comes to my day. mind every day. <laughs> and that's Blitz. Uh, he started off like I was gonna play him like a straight samurai, like very serious about everything and stoic, and then that didn't work with ADHD. That's how Blitzen was born. Doesn't work. I was like, I'm just going to do something stupid. We're just going to pull this sword out and see what happens in the futuristic world where everything's smart bullets and everybody has laser eyes and bulletproof shields. And I mean, people have swords in cyberpunk. They do. They in do. Night City. I've proven they're effective. You'll, you, yeah, you'll yeah, know yeah, if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> so you, 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 got a, you got a robo arm now. Yeah. They're super effective. Oh, goodness. Well, as always, it is a pleasure to do this show. And until next time, we will see you all later. And thank you, Stuart, for joining us. Episode 100. Woo! Woo! Next week. Yay! (laughs) Bye! Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.